0: Happy Easter! (laughs) I hope you you were able to get your uh, things done, and we're at church, and we're celebrating together. Um, You know, as I was preparing for Sunday morning, it's Easter Sunday, so we set the bar super high as pastors. We get all stressed out because we know there'll be people coming to church, and whatever reason, we make ourselves crazy. And, you know, I I was wrestling with the predicament of a pastor that we always got to come up with something novel for Easter, right? I mean, seriously. Uh, we've got to have something creative, we've got to have something catchy. So. And as I'm wrestling with something creative, God is continuing to whisper in my ears simplicity. And I'm like, but God, I want to be creative. I want to be flashy. And He says, just keep it simple. Well, a wise preacher preached on kingdom submission a week ago. That's me, just in case. I better listen to myself, and this morning I really want to focus on the simplicity of the message. I want to look at the Word of God together. I'll preach some because that's what I do, but but I want our time to be spent looking at His Word in what was accomplished this day. You know, I got to thinking about how we're always trying to make things better. I've got kids, so excuse me for a second, but have you ever seen an original movie and then you went to see the remake? Like seriously, Gene Wilder did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory so much better than Johnny Depp? I mean, come on, why'd you do it? I mean, have you noticed how we gotta recreate things over Disney? If, if you're a writer for Disney, you could make a lot of money, because all they're doing right now is taking an animated film and putting it to life. And then they're wondering why people don't like Dumbo or Lion King or whatever, because it's not the escape that it, that it was. The other day, I bought a Butterfinger. Why do you have to mess with a Butterfinger? New and improved. It's like New Coke. Anybody else remember New Coke? Oh, that was a flop. It's like it all over again. Seriously. Like why mess with the Butterfinger? Other than pastor's on a diet, so it's good. Because it doesn't taste the same. There's value in simplicity this morning. We've got the author and finisher of all things It's given us the story that we're going to talk about today. God has given us His Word. He, he's presented it to us through the disciples, through the ones who wrote the Gospels, and, and sometimes we overlook what God has already done. So this morning, I just want to spend some time in the Word of God. I want to spend some time... Looking at it, how God presented it, how the author, the one who knows a little bit more than pastor, decided it was important to put it. You know, last week we spent some time talking about uh, the triumphant entry of Christ. And I know I can't go through the whole story because if I did, we'd be here until Christmas, so I won't do that this morning. But if you look in your chapter, just Matthew chapter 26, if I look at the story, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And we'll get to, to Good Friday and we'll get to the, to the, to the resurrection of Christ. That's, that's what we're celebrating this morning. But, but all that's going on, you know, Jesus came in and he came in as a king. Remember that? But then people started to plot against him. He was anointed at Bethany. I'm just reading the headings. I'm not even going through in mind. We're not there yet, Andrew. Go ahead and take that one off because people are going to wonder where pastors come coming up with this stuff. There you go. Just looking at the headings in, in Matthew chapter 26, it talks about Jesus is anointed and then Judas, one of his disciples, decides to betray him. He and his disciples have a, have a meal together, the Lord's Supper, where he presents them with what well, we celebrate at communi- communion. He He at that meal predicts that Peter will deny him. He points out Judas' betrayer. There's the garden in Gethsemane where Jesus we see Jesus wrestling with the reality of what's coming. Crying, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. You know, in that garden, then we read that that he's arrested. Judas betrays him with a kiss. He goes before the the, the Sanhedrin, the high priest, we see that, that his disciple Peter betrays him. I know we've heard all this and I could read the whole thing, but, but, but I just want the picture of what's going on. Judas wrestles with the reality and, uh, of what the, the gravity of what, what's happened and he, and he hangs himself. So Jesus has to stand trial before Pilate. Remember, Pilate washes his hands because his wife has a dream and, and then he's mocked by the soldiers. That all leads us to Matthew chapter 27. And I'm going to read in verse 27. Now you can pull that one up, Andrew. If you want to follow on the screen, you can follow on the screen. If you want to turn in your Bible, you can turn in your Bible. We're going to read this story. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for us in this place this morning. And God, I pray this simplicity speaks to our hearts. God, you've promised your word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, God, I pray the word be living and active this day. God, I pray that as as we read the words on the page, they come to life in our hearts. And, God, that that you help us in the midst of the simplicity, in the midst of what we've read maybe hundreds of times, God, that this morning there's fresh revelation from the Spirit of God to us. We yield ourselves to you, God. We ask that you help us to get rid of distractions. You help us to focus upon you and your word. God, for me, I submit myself. I pray, God, my thoughts be before you and your will would be accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going back to Good Friday because, well, we don't have a Good Friday service, so we've got to cover it in our church sometime, right? And actually, it makes the end of the story so much better when you realize what happens. So... It's important to look at what happened. The soldiers. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the governor's headquarters and they gathered, it should be, the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. And they put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him and they took the reed and they struck him on the head. When they mocked him, they stripped the robe and put his own clothes on him and they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. Wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders, they mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him, for he said, I'm the Son of God. And now the robbers, or and the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. From the sixth hour to the ninth to the ninth hour there was darkness over all oh, oh, sorry. In, in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabatsani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They have the bystanders hearing it, he said, This man is some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. One of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, the tombs were opened. Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There are also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. "...among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee." When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him, and Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen shroud, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there. They were sitting opposite the tomb. The next day that is after the day of preparation the chief priests and Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, "Sir, remember how that impostor said, while he was still alive, after 3 days I will rise?" Therefore, order the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go and make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. We've heard these words. The picture of what Christ endured. The picture of, of Christ being humiliated. Christ being mocked. Christ being whipped. Christ going up Calvary. We've seen the movie. We've watched The Passion. You know me. I mean? I get it. We know our response. I know our response to the story. How we respond to the words. We hear the words and it, it compels our hearts. It, sometimes it brings emotion. We, we picture what Christ endured and, and sometimes it, it breaks our heart because of the reality that all this was endured for the sin of man. The scorn, the shame, the mocking. The cross, it was all endured for the sin of mankind so the price could be paid. We know that, but there's something about the simplicity of this message that transforms the hearts and lives of men and women. You know, I like to hit pause sometimes in the story. Because... I'm in awe in this moment of what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. The guards are believing. The guards are confessing this was the Son of God. There's dead people coming out of the ground. They're talking to everybody. I mean, that's some pretty cool stuff. Something strange is about. I like to look at people and how they respond. And the people who I would assume would be responding the most excitedly with the most zeal right now would have to be the guys who followed him right I mean the 12 disciples like or well 11 I guess is where we're at now forgot Judas just hung himself sorry I'm not laughing at Judas hanging himself I'm laughing at pastor forgetting how Are they responding to what is happening? We read in Matthew 26, The disciples deserted Him and fled. We read also in that same chapter about Peter. He denied it again with an oath, I don't know the man. And surely while those who, who were standing there went up to Peter and said, surely uh, you are one of them, your accent gives you way. He began to call down curses. He swore to them, I don't know the man. They're deserting him and fleeing. Peter, remember he just said, never Christ, never Lord. And and the Lord said, get behind me, Satan, to to Peter because he said, never will they take you, never will you die. And and all that's going on. And now he's doing what? A, a, A girl is talking to him by a fire and says, hey, I think I saw you with that guy once. And he's denying him three times. What's happening to the hearts of those that are closest to Jesus Christ? The disciples They're talking about it and Jesus himself, this is after the resurrection, stands among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. Why are you troubled and why do doubts Rise in your mind. That's the disciples. Jesus is now before them, resurrected, appearing to them. And they're wrestling with seeing a ghost. They have doubts in their minds. They're startled and frightened. Are we all following this? What's happening with those who were closest to Jesus Christ? There's some followers that were walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus appeared to them and they started saying, if you knew about what was going on, you would be, you would, you would know why we're walking. And he said, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Before God and all the people, people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. Verse 21, we had hoped. He was the one. He was going to redeem us or redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. How are those closest to Jesus in this moment in the story? They're confused. They're frightened. They're hopeless. I sense that, that they feel helpless. Why? What's, what's happening in their hearts? Because the reality is, the, the reality I want to look at this morning is there are a lot today that are still living in this place that the disciples were in these days. We're still living hopeless. We're still living helpless. We're still living fearful. We're still living bewildered or confused why everything is happening when we had an expectation that it was supposed to happen this way. What they're experiencing, what the disciples are going through, is their reality is not in line with their expectation. What, the, the, the moment of what they're experiencing isn't in line with what they ever dreamed they would experience. I mean, a week ago, they were declaring Him King. He was coming. This party is getting started, Right? we going to whip some tail and take some names later. And now, my reality is not what I was expecting. So, where does that leave me? Without hope? without help, troubled, and confused. You know, this week, I think it was on Monday. Go ahead and pull that picture up, Andrew. Probably everybody else saw this. But I was in my office and I saw the news that Notre Dame was on fire. You know, and something about it, it compelled me. And so I started watching Brit Hume on Fox, you know, Brit Hume on Fox, and just watching the report. I'd actually, I've been to France, I've been to Notre Dame, I've I've experienced But But I was so compelled by the duality of the moment. Um, Watching the news, and people are helpless, they're hopeless, because something they put their trust in Something they were convinced could never be destroyed was going to ruins before their eyes. And so as I'm watching the news and I'm listening to people, I'm listening to people, I love listening to people, I love, like I say, just, Learning how people respond. There's people on there. I'm not a religious person, but there was something about the experience of that sanctuary. I, I don't go to church. I'm not a Christian, but, but there's something in, in the words that they spoke. They said, I feel so helpless. The entire nation of France, like all of a sudden their icon, right? That's what it is. It's their identity was being destroyed before their very eyes. And as I watched through the lens of what was happening, it was intriguing to me because people didn't know how to respond. Sitting there as a pastor and knowing the historical significance, knowing the cultural application of this building, wondering why we're so broken over a church, a building, an idol, an icon. what What is going on? Brit Hume, this will be the day remembered that Notre Dame burned down. As he was signing off. I mean, that's what, what's going on. A picture today that, that I think is, is, is applicable in demonstrating the, the helplessness or hopelessness when our reality does not come in line with our expectation. That building that was burning to the ground had survived the French Revolution. It had survived Adolf Hitler. People were convinced nothing was ever going to happen to it. Those walls were always going to stand. I was always going to be able to go in that that building. We could put the, the crown of thorns, the supposed crown of thorns in there because it was safe. It's a building. and a nation stood helpless. People became hopeless. Maybe it's not fair to compare this fire with the, the same moment of experiencing Jesus Christ being crucified, but I think the emotions are mirroring one another. Something we put our trust in, something we put our confidence in, was being taken from us, and there was nothing we could do about it. Have you ever felt like that? Have we ever been there where we had an expectation? We had an understanding and suddenly because of, uh, of the reality of what was before us, our expectation was not what we expected and, and we are left wondering without hope at what we're going to do tomorrow. You know, I watched what happened. What happened in, in, in France is all of a sudden billionaires started giving money right all of a sudden once the cathedral burned down we had over almost a billion dollars pledged in 24 hours to rebuild notre dame and guess what hope was restored right i got a, i got a i got a better story matthew chapter 28 After the Sabbath. At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of Him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Just as He said, come and see the place where He lay. I want to say that again. The hope that was being restored because there's something in the moment of the resurrection that restores our hope. He is not here. He was crucified. The Jesus that was crucified, He is not here. He is not where He was. Let me show you where He laid down, but He's here no more. Go and tell the the disciples He has risen from the dead and He's going ahead of you into Galilee There you will see Him. Now I have told you. That's hope. Do you hear that? You know, there's something about the resurrection. We talked about the disciples. They were with Jesus. They watched what Jesus did, right? So they saw Him pray for people. They saw Him Heal people. They saw people uh, raised from the dead before him. They saw uh, miracles, signs, wonders, incredible things, right? The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. They saw loaves multiplied. Yet, where were they? In the midst of all that, they were still hopeless. In the midst of of all they'd experienced. I mean, seriously, you're telling me you watched Jesus raise a guy from the dead and you're still wondering if he is who he says he is? And even though it didn't go the way you thought it would go, you're still questioning what happened? No. They were still wrestling with hopelessness until the resurrection of Jesus Christ. John. I want to point this out. John chapter 2. This was quoted a couple times in the verses we just read. The Jews responded to him, What sign? Can you show us to approve your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after verse 22, look at verse 22. There's proof of hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a foundation for hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What happens in verse 22? After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, then, then, when... After, right? After he, he, he was raised from the dead, then they believed the Scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. There is something incredible when it comes to our hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These men had witnessed everything. They'd heard the words. They'd listened to the sermons. But in this moment, when they, they recognized that Jesus was raised, why is that different? What happened? Suddenly they went from helpless and hopeless to, to perseverant and, 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 and zealous. I mean, these, these guys then go and they, they take the gospel everywhere. They're in with power from the Holy Spirit. Each one of them, they face a, 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 a potential martyrdom. If they're not martyred, suddenly they're changed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we experience the resurrection. Go ahead and pull the next slide up, Andrew. You know, I talked about the story of Notre Dame, and I love that picture just because there's hope in the cross. Tuesday morning, people started to find hope in the cross. They didn't realize there was obviously a physical cross, but that's what stood when the firefighters, when the smoke cleared. There's hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. Yet, church, let me, say this. let me say this as clear as I can. All too often we live like the disciples were in that moment. We live helpless and we live hopeless because of our circumstance. There are so many who, who understand, they've heard the story, they've read the story, they've experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, yet we live helpless. And we live hopeless. We live defined by, by our expectations, and we live in dissonance, or we live in discord when our expectations aren't our reality. There is hope in the resurrection. Romans says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You guys can come forward. Where's your hope this morning? I, I I don't know what circumstance I don't know what expectations I don't know what experiences that have contradicted the the, the understanding of where you thought you would be this morning. The disciples were confused. They were perplexed because Jesus was arrested. They tried to cut the ears off. Remember, they cut the ear off of the one soldier. I mean, they're going to do what they can because this isn't how it's supposed to be. I don't know what what your life, what your experience is, what fires maybe you're experiencing, what fire maybe you just came through, what encounter you, you just happened to see, what loss you've just experienced, what confusion you may maybe be dealing with, but the reality is, it's the same as it was then. There's hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's hope that when He came out of that grave, He said, death has been defeated. There's hope, that he said that that the work of God has been complete. I am more than conqueror through Christ Jesus. Now that's, that's who I am. There's hope in me no matter what my circumstance is. No matter what fire is burning. No matter what encounter I'm going through. I've got hope today because Jesus didn't stay in that grave. They may have sent guards to guard it. They may have locked the stone. They may have done what they could to try and keep Him there, but they couldn't keep my Jesus in that grave. And because He was victorious over sin and death, I am victorious over sin and death. Because He overcame in that grave, I overcome this day. I have hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this morning, you have hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are not alone. Your experience isn't greater than my God. Your tomb isn't darker than the light of the world. Your sin isn't greater than the cross of Jesus Christ. There's hope in the resurrection. Father, I pray across this room. God, there's something that happened in the disciples' hearts. There's something that changed when they went from downcast, when they went from confused, when they went from without hope to believing all the Scriptures had said. The standing before persecution to taking the gospel to nations. God, something that happened, that something is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, we celebrate that resurrection this morning. I pray for us, God. The hope that comes. God, I pray for hope to come. God, I pray for hope to come. I pray for helplessness to be broken because of the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We have hope this day. Help us to receive that hope. Reveal Yourself, God, to us in this moment. God, I pray if there's a doubting Thomas in this room that says, yeah, I believe when I can place my hands in his wounds, God, my fingers in his hands and my hand in his side. God, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that You would reveal Yourself. I pray You would whisper God, I pray for for someone this day, God, that you would embrace them in this moment, that they would feel the hug of God, they would feel the love of God like they've never felt. God, it would be something real, something that is undeniable, something that is unquestionable because you are alive. God, I thank you for the hope of the resurrection. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's the worship team to, to lead us in a chorus and, or at least Tam and Carrie, whatever that is. Half the worship team. But as I do, you know, I want to make myself available as a pastor. If you're saying today, Pastor, I feel hopeless. I mean, I've been walking with Jesus, but I still feel hopeless. Let me pray with you for an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. If you're saying, I don't know any of this stuff, and I've been living without hope my whole life, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, who died for you. There's no need to continue hopeless or helpless from this day forward. There's no point in living confused and broken from this day forward. Because my God lives. Because He raised. He is not here. If you want prayer, I'm here. He's alive, amen? He's alive, amen? He is not there, amen? Amen? He's alive and you have hope this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. And may you live in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Be blessed.